1: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Lights on an empty stage. A lanky man in an ill-fitting suit stands behind a mic, guitar in hand. His only accompaniment? A small boombox. The crowd goes wild. That's how a now-legendary performance by New Wave band, The Talking Heads, starts up. And it was captured in the 1984 documentary, Stop Making Sense. The film production company A24 has restored the film. You can see it in Chicago theaters now, in 4K. So, what makes this concert movie so great and such a cult classic? Well, joining me in the studio to discuss our Chicago Tribune film critic, Michael Phillips, music box theater programmer Cameron Lewis, and WBEZ's Lisa Labis. Hey, everyone.
2: Hey. Ooh, my...
1: Hi. Good to see you.
2: You as well. I'm
1: going to start with you, Michael. What is Stop Making Sense? Let's get everyone on the same page, first of all.
2: It's uh, it's concert film that director Jonathan Demi put together uh, across, um, uh, I think, three nights. I think it might have been four separate performances across three nights at the Pantages Theater in L.A., uh, and this was the Speaking in Tongues tour for the Talking Heads. Uh, and then uh, they put it out uh, the following year in in 1984. And some of us uh, kind of lost our minds. Uh, uh, kind of? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's – um, it's, it's this new version, really, it it, it doesn't really ha- capture kind of a live sound. It's like 15 times better than live because it's so crispy, yeah. <laughs> the sound. And uh, um, some people may prefer actually kind of a rougher sound, but this is, uh, it's, it's a gorgeous looking thing still.
1: Well, you know who else lost their mind? Lisa. I did. You saw it in theaters uh, yeah, in eighty four. Yeah, Where were yeah. you?
0: Well, so I'm still trying to do the like the time math and I was either just graduated from high school or in my freshman year in college. And so my friends and I would have seen it at the Fine Arts Theater on Michigan Avenue, which is no more. But it was, you know, we were so grown up and really cool going yeah. to the Fine Arts Theater downtown from the suburbs. And what was that like? It was just great. I mean, the crowd was amazing. You were like, you know, usually in theaters, you're you're quiet and polite. But no, we were dancing. We were excited. We were happy. And it was just a joyful community experience. It was so nice.
1: This is going to be your first time, Cameron, seeing the movie on big screen. Yes. I mean, that's about to be an experience. <laughs> oh,
3: so much so. Um,
1: what are you most excited for?
3: Being able to experience and fall in love with it again the way I was able to watching it on my 30-inch TV two years ago. For
1: what, the first time. what was it two years ago <laughs> that, that drew you in?
3: Well, um, just being in Virginia and falling in love with the film work of Jonathan Demme and seeing, okay, what else has he done? And then you find out, wow. Outside of his movies, he's made a concert film. Never heard of the Talking Heads before and never knew who David Byrne was. And seeing this film, I ended up watching it two more times the following day because it just had that effect on me.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, we asked for all of your favorites from this iconic performance. Lisa, what was your pick?
0: Right. So there's so many. It's hard to pick just one, but, you know, like it's just the, the, the whole thing. But you know, I'm going to make you. Builds. I know. I know you're going to make me. So the, the song I keep going back to is really the second song in the film. It's called Heaven. And it's just a quiet, simple melody. He's done with Psycho Killer. Tina Weymouth comes out on the bass, and it's just the two of them with Lynn Mabry in the background singing these amazing harmonies. It's so pretty.
2: Everyone
3: is trying. Get to the bar Name of the bar The bar is called Heaven The band in Heaven They play my Yeah, this favorite is a pretty nice song. one. I, I don't Something. have to ask
1: why it stands out, right?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it it's, it's such a nice part. It's a nice way to start. You're starting night. to build the band you're starting to build the set um, and oh, Lynn Mabry so beautiful in this and it's just you know let's take a collective breath because you know after this it is all gonna happen right yeah. it is all gonna get amazing and crazy and you're just gonna be dancing so this is the time to just set yourself set your intention yeah. and just really you know enjoy it also i love this song because over the past few years like when when i feel like i'm spiraling this is a nice place to just sit and be mellow quiet out mm-hmm. and just be
1: quiet definitely gives me that vibe too Michael, I want to go back to some something that uh, Cameron brought up, which is the director of "Stop Making Sense," Jonathan Demi. Right? Um, we know that he's known for "The Silence of the Lambs," um, "Philadelphia." Right? He's got a, a number of concert films and, and music videos on his resume, as Cameron mentioned. I mean, do you think his vision for this film set it apart?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it's it's not like most other concert films uh, before it, and nobody's ever topped it since. I'd say and What Lisa was talking about, just how the show kind of builds. As as I didn't see it live, I didn't see the you know these tours live back then, but you know starts off with a guy at a you know burn boombox solo. You know new new uh, new musicians come out with each number. Set pieces come out. You get more and more kind of multimedia going on in the background, and that's what you that's what you sort of realize later if you kind of look into it. As I kind of got to know the the music of the Talking Heads and just the stagecraft. This was all kind of like early 80s Manhattan performance art stuff uh, mm-hmm. that I was new to me, you know. Uh, but but it it gives the show an incredibly cool, simple pro, uh, kind of progression of like small, bigger, bigger, bigger. And then the sounds mm-hmm. you're getting by the middle are just like volcanic. And and yet the, the technique of this film is so elegant. Not a lot of fast cutting like Woodstock. Not You know, you don't get triple, you know, you don't get split screen stuff like Woodstock. Oh, okay. You don't no, get a lot either. of really fast cutting. It's very... It really lets these performers sort of be and move and interact. Very fluid film. And it's just kind of magic as cinema, I think.
1: You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Stop making sense. The 1984 Talking Heads concert film has been restored for its 40th anniversary. And it's in theaters now. And we have a lovely panel of folks here with us to talk about it. Michael Phillips is here, who's a film critic at the Trib. Cameron Lewis, who's a programmer at the Music Box Theater. And Lisa Laba's WBEZ anchor and Talking Heads fan. Um, so let's talk about the eccentric front man, <laughs> David Byrne. His wonderful weirdness is on full display here, uh, right? And yeah. everyone's nodding. You all agree? <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on the dance moves, guys?
2: I love them. Aren't they great? I dreamed of being that good. I mean, can we call, can, can we call those dancer? dance moves?
0: Sure, why not? You're wiggling around. You're, it's all right. It's a little snaky. It's a little. It's a little wiggly. I like it.
2: Well, I love it too. And that there's just so much of what Burn is up to. Was the front man in here where he's just like you know jogging in place like a maniac, yeah. or, or like so doing like running. laps around the there stage. There was a lot of
0: running. There's a yeah. lot of running.
2: It's like as as aerobic as the Jane Fonda workout
3: was at the same time. You know, <laughs> and it's beautiful too to see how his, his he knew where everything was because I know I was just listening to Demi talk about it and he was like David Byrne did all the lighting he didn't have to add anything to it so certain moves oh. you see they hit him in a certain way he just had that that tail of masterful you know yeah but, right. you
0: know so it was performance art but it didn't feel inaccessible, yeah. right like I felt like a nerdy
1: suburban kid who could still understand what he was trying <laughs> to do it felt good yeah well let's talk about some more favorites from this iconic performance well Michael and Cameron you actually both agreed you said it's this must be the place yeah Yeah, we were all grooving to that. <laughs> I'm gonna get—it's such a catchy tune, Cameron. I'm gonna get your thoughts, but first, why don't we hear a little bit from WBEZ's studio operations manager, Dave Misca?
2: The thing that I remember the most—I mean, there's so many great songs in it—but the moment that really still gets me is "This Must Be the Place." There's just something so beautiful and so honest about that performance that I keep coming back to it nearly 40 years later, and. And it still it still moves me like it's the first time I ever heard it.
1: Yeah, the uh, theatrics of this concert they're incredible, but the lamp, the bookshelf projections, the stage pieces—I mean, they're all particularly special for this song, Cameron. What makes this one of your favorites?
3: Um, just heard it for the first time when seeing the film at 22 two years ago, and it's something I return to often. It could be a Sunday where I'm cleaning the house, or a Tuesday where I've had a long day at work, yeah. and it just feels right for every moment
2: there's some you know he's such a poet that guy david burnham just to hear lines like love me till my heart stops love me till i'm dead you know that's and that's that's is sincere and direct and you know and i found myself kind of like welling up all over again when the first time I saw it when I was basically your age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: I love that you were actually listening to the lyrics. I was just like, I just couldn't stop my neck from moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't <Yeah>. stop bopping. <laughs> Which I found, you know, when I, when I watched the concert, it's one of the, the, the things I like from him too is, is just his, the way he moves when he's playing that guitar, the toe tapping, yeah. the neck bop. Yeah, he does that too. <laughs> he does that too. Um, I know our talking head super fans out there are going to be screaming at their radios if I did not ask you guys about the big suit.
0: <laughs> the big suit, you know, it's I remember seeing it like on on TV when there were commercials about I think there were some commercials and that's all they showed or on MTV, you got to see parts of the big suit and and it was sort of a bit of a spectacle, but I feel like the big suit is a little like it's not as big as the rest of the show, you know. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. At the time though, uh to see it was so funny. To see that, you know, that idea of like, okay, I'm a, a man in this boxy suit that really does look like it came from Pluto or something. Uh, <laughs> it but, is and, huge. And still kind of bust out the same completely eccentric dance moves in it. You know, that, that sort of led to a result that I've been trying...
1: perfectly ironed to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's and what I was right. looking at. And I was like, not a, not a wrinkle. Not a wrinkle insight. sight. Uh, let's, let's play a bit of, of David Byrne talking about the suit on The Late Show with David Letterman. This illustrates his unique nature.
2: It was an inspiration I had when I was in Japan. And a, a man over there told me, you know, in the theater, everything should be a little bit bigger than real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was referring to, I think, gestures and the way you <laughs> talk and whatnot. I thought, oh, wow, well, that solves my costume problem right there. Yeah, sure.
3: <laughs>
2: well, it, uh, again, visually, it's very effective. Thank you. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: visually, very effective. I mean, paint the picture for the folks who are listening to us who have not seen this big suit. Michael, you want to do well, it? Well, what
2: I love about the introduction is that when when you first see the number, that when the number begins, where he where he's rushed off stage, the Tom Tom Club has done their number to kind of cover the scene, the costume change, which I'm sure was not quick. Uh, it's on this background as a silhouette, and he really looks like one of the aliens coming right off the mothership in Close mm-hmm. encounter <laughs> in in silhouette, because you don't really know what you're looking at, and then you get the close up and all that, and you just it's not so enormously oversized that it's like it's just a sight gag. There's some, it, it's just ridiculously big enough to kind of, uh, to kind of, uh, you know, m- mystify you a little bit, you know, it, it right? Just, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it was, and it took me a moment to, th- you know, when it first came out, thinking, well, wait, is there something wrong with his suit? Or yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. it took a moment to register. I think.
2: yeah, it didn't catch on, you know, as a fashion thing, which is probably no. for the <laughs> <No>. best. <laughs> for the best. No, yeah.
3: I will say, Roblox took a lot of inspiration. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is, okay. so there I was go. wondering where else I had seen that. Yeah. As a
1: mom of teens who Roblox. used to be really into Roblox. You just hit the nail on the head, Cameron. I mean, were were you weirded out when you first saw it?
3: <laughs> I honestly said, maybe this was the fashion at the time. So. <laughs> oh, that's <right>. <laughs> accepted.
1: You were like, this is probably what they wore to, really. to the no. supermarket.
2: It's yeah. funny. Some of the stuff in that film, really, you know, some of the synthesizer fills we just heard, so, and some of the things do kind of sound, okay, this was 1984, yeah. and you can look at some of the, fa- <laughs> like, you know, you can take it as a fashion statement for 1984 through Japan's no theater or whatever, Uh but some of it, most of it really, I think, of, of the whole, the way the movies filmed and just what you're hearing in the music it that, that's it feels like it was made tomorrow not, not yesterday yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: anyone have anything we missed what, what else should we I did, you know i think you here? have
0: to talk about the musicians that david byrne hired you had bernie worrell and you had alex weir steve scales on percussion and lynn mabry and edna holt background singers and the, you know uh, uh, lynn mabry and and bernie worrell were playing with funkadelic Mm. You know, in the pants. Really? So, yeah. So <laughs> I saw one interview with Lynn Mabry and she's like, you know, at first I thought the big suit was kind of weird, but I was dressed as a worm for some <laughs> funkadelic show. So what am I going to you do? Know, I can't really complain. But I think if you didn't have that super funky element to it, it wouldn't have been quite the same. If it was just the four members of the Talking Heads playing their playing their latest album and some of their older songs it wouldn't have had the impact it wouldn't have had the community feel to it yeah, yeah. this
2: restored version that's in theaters now it's not being it's not the movie's not really dominated by older audiences seeing it for the 15th time it's mostly it's like 70 or 80% folks who are seeing it for the first time under 30 and that's exactly how I came in. I didn't know the Talking Heads beyond two or three songs that were on the radio. And actually, the music we've heard, you know, just just in the last few minutes, yeah, love it. But it's not. It's not really like the stuff that was on the radio then, like "Burning Down the House," um, you know, uh, "Once in a Lifetime," which are. I mean, they're all great, uh, but it's. I think the it's going to be people discovering it and the music, in the same way f- people did forty years ago, because yeah. the Talking Heads were not the Rolling Stones, you know, and it's not like. This film is the Taylor Swift document, uh, concert film that's coming out in a couple weeks. Yet the
1: reaction from folks is, I brought this up—that's crazy. It's <laughs> incre- the, the nostalgia that I could see in their eyes as, yeah. as I said, "Oh, Stop Making Sense," the Talking Heads. Oh, yes, I remember that.
2: And it has been a long time for some people. Some people loved it and they haven't seen it for a long time. Right. I guess that would be my—that's my case. And, yeah, and yeah. I was just—I was so happy to just sort of swim around in it again. You
1: know? yeah. I mean, what do you think, Cameron? Anything about Stop Making Sense that you think? Uh, listeners should know? I mean, thinking of folks like you who are later to this picture, right?
3: I would say just to bounce off what what Michael mentioned, um, just knowing that a lot of people my age, filmgoers, non-casual filmgoers, will be able to see this for the first time, be it um, at the Music Box, any theater in Chicago, and just to be able to be watched over it and fall in love with the music and find more through that from David Byrne, from the rest of the members, and It's just a beautiful time, a beautiful film.
1: Well, before we wrap up here, Cameron, I hear there's more music at the Music Box celebrating hip-hop's big anniversary this year. Absolutely. Tell us quickly what you've got going on this weekend.
3: Uh, Well, we're finishing out our 50th anniversary of hip-hop celebration series with CB4, um, one of Chris Rock's early films. CB4,
1: oh my gosh. Yeah,
3: we uh, may have a special um, guest, MC Gusto doing the introduction so it's going to be a great time we're showing that at midnight tomorrow night at the Music Box Theater
1: I love that we'll leave it there folks that's Cameron Lewis programmer at the Music Box Theater Michael Phillips who's film critic for the Chicago Tribune and WBEZ's Lisa Lobbis. thank you all so much for talking talking heads (laughs) thank you thanks a lot so we got to finish this hour with more music our engineer Ethan he would kill me if I did not wrap up this segment without playing this his favorite song Girlfriend is Better (laughs) here it is This episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Ethan Schwab, who edited it along with Dan Tucker. We love talking about arts and culture on Reset. And hey, if you do too, why don't you like and subscribe if you haven't already? Well, that's it from us today. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Have a great rest of the day, and we will talk again soon.